Good morning. It is, it is great to be together this morning and to worship the Lord and to pray and, and to, see, to see all of you this morning. Um, I don't know about you, but um, it's, it's amazing to me that it's already three weeks into the new year. Um, it, it feels like the year's going fast. It, it feels like it was just, uh, just yesterday that we were scrambling, trying to get ready for Christmas and, and New Year's. And at our house, actually, it still feels a little bit like Christmas um, because there's still decorations lying around. Um, there are our presents, open presents that haven't been put away. Um, and uh, there are gifts that I haven't returned for store credit. Um, and, uh, and, and also, it's because we are still eating Christmas cookies and chocolates and, and candies. And so um, uh, I want to thank many of you who uh, generously ruined my diet <laughs> and have given my kids a lot of cavities. Um, but, uh, you know who you are, I, and I owe you. <laughs> um, you know, I, I worked many years, I think most of you know, I worked many years in the corporate world. and. Um, before coming on staff last year. And so I, I, really, I really like a good mission statement. Um, I really like a statement that gives focus and direction and uh, communicates why an organization uh, or a company exists. And so in preparing for this, this message today, this is the last message on the mission statement. And then we're gonna turn to our cultural values of the church, but um, I looked up some mission statements, some company mission statements, and I want to share some with you that I found interesting. And so, um, and maybe you can you can guess uh, if you can uh, you can guess who the companies are uh, by these mission statements. So, how about this first one? Okay, we exist to give customers the most compelling shopping experience possible. I hear a lot of Amazon, right, that you think of shopping. Okay, this is Nordstrom. Okay, yeah, old brick and mortar, okay, store, Nordstrom. Well, I'm sure they have online sales. Um, the next one, we exist to save people money so that they can live better. Walmart, yes, that's good, that's good. Right, so you see the difference. Nordstrom and Walmart, they're both retailers, they're both trying to sell us stuff, but they are right, uh, approaching the market. They're, they're catering to a completely different customer. Um, I don't know anyone who goes to Nordstrom to save money. Right? <laughs> and I don't know anyone that goes to Walmart for the shopping experience. <laughs> so um, if we have any Walmart employees, I, I apologize. <laughs> um, so it's, it's, it's different in the approach that they take. Um, the next one, we exist to create a better everyday life for the many people. Uh, th I think this one's, uh, this one's probably impossible to guess unless you already know. This is Ikea. Okay, the furniture, home furnishing store, right? I think they're a foreign company. That's why the weird wording. <laughs> um, let's see, uh, just a couple more. The next one, we exist 
We exist to give people the power to build community and bring the world closer together. Any idea? I heard it over here, right? Facebook, right? Pretty ambitious mission statement. But they want to build community, give people the opportunity to build community and bring the world closer together. And then the last one. We exist to bring inspiration and innovation to every athlete in the world. Nike, yes, Nike. Now you, th you may you know, focus on, it says every athlete. And, and you think, well, don't regular people wear Nikes, right? <laughs> My, my grandma wears Nikes. <laughs> well, the, the Nike CEO says, if you have a body, then you're an athlete. All right? So that should make us feel good. Right? If you have a body, I guess it really doesn't matter what, what kind of body you have. <laughs> okay? I guess as long as you have money to spend. But what you see is that they are trying to make their market right, as broad and as wide as possible. Um, for, their, for their product. So, of course, all these companies, what they, they do what they do to what? To drive business, to make profit, to make more money. But you can see how the mission statements are broad and how the mission statement, though, provides some uh, direction and purpose for the company. It says, big picture, this is what we're all about. Right, and I'm excited, I'm excited about our mission statement because I think it conveys uh, the essence of what we're trying to do in ministry here at the church. So, um, Andrew, if you can put our mission statement up and maybe we can read this all together. Okay. We exist to spread a passion for God so that he is above all else in our lives, church, and community. One more time. We exist to spread a passion for God so that he is above all else in our lives, church, and community. Let's pray. Father God, we, we thank you that you have gathered us together and that you've brought us as a church um, together. Lord, stir in us now, Lord. May your Holy Spirit just move in this room and would you stir us, stir in us, Lord, a passion for you, Lord, that makes, um, that makes our hearts overflow, that makes um, emotions bubble up, that makes us, Father, focus on who you truly are. Um, help us to see you and to draw near to you. And um, I pray that we would place everything, uh, place you above everything else in our lives and that you would speak to us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So I, I love our mission statement. And it's not just the statement, but I think I've had the privilege of, of walking through the mission statement uh, with the vision team. And so I love, I guess what I want to say is I love the process that the vision team went through to share and to discuss and discern what our primary purpose as a church is. Why, why has God brought us together? Um, what is he calling us to? What does the future look like? And this may be hard to believe, but it took nearly three months 
It took nearly three months to put those 19 words together. Okay? And there's 21 words if you count we exist. Right? But it, it, took, it took a while, and it took massaging, and it took time together to talk and to pray. And I think the Holy Spirit was really at work helping us to understand his heart and then discern what was important? What, what would we want to, what do we want to draw from this? What do we sense God doing in our church? And I think it was, it was a great exercise, but I think it was a great accomplishment. And as satisfying as that was, the mission statement is not the end. In fact, and, and this is the first point in the outline, the mission statement is just the beginning. You see, it's pretty obvious that the mission statement doesn't spell out everything we're called to do. You've probably noticed, if you've read our mission statement, that it doesn't talk about love for God and our neighbor. It doesn't mention preaching the gospel and making disciples of all nations. It doesn't discuss ministries like worship, missions, evangelism, and prayer. Are we supposed to do these things? Absolutely. In fact, most of these things, they are core and central. They are some of our highest priorities as a church. But by design, a mission statement is not meant to cover everything. If you look again at Nordstrom's, referring back to Nordstrom's mission statement. Do we have that there? Yeah, great. Um, you won't find anything about selling high-quality clothes, right? about building big, bright, beautiful stores, about providing great customer service, or about having a guy in a tuxedo play the grand piano in the center of the store. Right? Do they still have that? <laughs> um, none of that right, is captured in the mission statement, but these are all things that have developed out of the mission of giving customers the most compelling shopping experience possible. So just to say our mission statement is just the beginning of the process. To flesh it out, we need to develop ministries and practices and activities that stir that passion for God and elevates Christ in our lives. For the mission statement to mean anything, the mission statement has to cascade down into the children's, youth, and CYA ministries and how we teach and instill our young people a heart for the Lord. It should undergird our missions, mercy, compassion, and evangelism ministries that ask the question, how do we share, how do we spread the love and grace of God that we've received in Christ outward? It should drive why we gather together in deacons, harvesters, discipleship, and growth group ministries. This passion for God and his supremacy is to be embodied in who we are as a church and what we do. So where do we start? Well, the first thing, as I prepared for the message, the, um, the, thing, the overwhelming thing, I guess, that came uh, to my heart and mind is the kingdom of God. And our mission as a church 
So not our mission statement, but our mission as a church is to take the kingdom of God to the world. And that's really the mission of all, all Christian churches. It's to take the kingdom out. Theologian Graham Goldsworthy describes the kingdom of God as God's people in God's place under God's rule, experiencing God's blessing. And I think that's, that's a great description. If we go all the way back to the very beginning of Scripture, back to Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we see a picture of that kingdom. Adam and Eve, they were created by God in his image. They were placed in the Garden of Eden under God's rule and his protection and his provision. And they lived and they flourished and if you read that, you see they walked with God, and they walked in fellowship with God. God's people in God's place, under God's rule, experiencing God's blessing. And it was perfect until sin entered in. And then they and we lost that intimacy with God, and we developed the natural inclination to rebel against his authority. And we forfeited the abundance of his blessing. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 and 6, kind of uh, gives a picture of this, this sad state. It says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord, he is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. In this passage, God pronounces judgment on the people of Judah, his chosen people, because they turned from him. And in this passage, they aligned themselves with the Egyptians and the Assyrians, and these were opposing countries to God and to his word and to the nation of, of Judah and Israel. But they were fearful and they aligned themselves with them. And instead of trusting the Lord, they trusted in man. And they believed, that the, uh, the Jews did, they believed in their own self-righteousness and strength. Isn't that like us, like our society today? We have turned from God and we have placed our confidence in ourselves, in our wisdom, in our ingenuity, in our technology. And we have trusted in the things of the world. And because of that, God says, you will be like a shrub in the desert, a naked tree in the parched land, devoid of water, nourishment, and fruit. But the good news is, and I hope that's why we're here, the good news is that Jesus came to restore the kingdom of God on earth. That means he came to restore what sin has ruined. But this goes beyond just personal salvation. It goes beyond just the hope of heaven. In Luke 4, 18 and 19, Jesus says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, 
because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You know, when I listen to Susan share about the ministry that she's been involved with and the missions and the work she's done in the world, that it becomes so clear to me the, the, um, you know, the sad and, and desperate and sometimes hurting state that our world is in and that people experience. And yet the joy and the blessing and the freedom and the healing that God can bring to people's lives. It's just it's so really clear the way she shared and, and, and to see the ministry that she has um, and, and, and the ministry that I know some of you have to share and to touch others. Uh, what Jesus talks about here, I think, is instruction for us as a church about how we serve the community. Words of actions of love, hope, freedom, healing, and blessing. Uh, we had a concert of prayer uh, last week, last Wednesday, um, or a week ago Wednesday. And at that concert of prayer, we prayed through the Lord's Prayer. And when we got to that part, you know, in the Lord's Prayer where it says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we asked, what would it look like if the kingdom broke through in our lives? What would it look like if the kingdom broke through in our church and our community? And we said that people would know the love and grace of God, that they would experience God's healing and forgiveness and mercy in their lives, that the worship of Jesus would be evident, that the Bible and Scripture would be held high, and that we would see the fruit of the Spirit in our community. So you may ask yourselves, you know, I started talking about mission statement, now I'm talking about the kingdom. What does the kingdom of God have to do with our mission statement? I think it has everything to do with our mission statement. When we say that we want to develop a passion for God in our lives, and we want to spread that passion to everyone in our church and in our community, we recognize that we recognize God for who he is, and we place him above all things, then I think we will see lives begin to come under God's rule and blessing. And that's... That's the kingdom breaking through and breaking in for people's lives to come under God's rule and blessing and his protection and his healing. There's a, a, a video that, um, that I've really latched onto that I want to show you now. It's, it's, it's just a short video. It's a three-minute video that I, might thought, that I thought might help in explaining who we are as the church, and the purpose to which we've been called. Andrew? Churches are full of people. 
the broken, the lonely, the wanderers, the hopeful, the enthusiastic, the lost, the passionate, and the faithful. For many, this gathering represents the whole of their church experience. They'll listen attentively to a message, they'll sing a few songs, they'll be invited to pray, and then they'll return to their lives. But for some, questions will start bubbling to the surface of their faith. Is this the extent of what Jesus intended for his followers? Who is the church for? Why does the world need the church, and what is the church after all? Well, the church isn't the building where people attend weekly services. It's not a program, a list of rules, or a philosophy. The church isn't a political affiliation, a country club, or a holiday tradition. The church was never intended to be just an assembly of people wearing nice clothes and saying nice things. The church is all the followers of Jesus everywhere. The Greek word for church is the word ekklesia. It's the combination of two words, ek, which means out, and kaleo, meaning called. Thus, the church, the ekklesia, means the called out ones. In other words, the church, the collective body of all the followers of Jesus everywhere, is called out by someone for something, for a purpose. The beginning of the book of Acts has Jesus calling his disciples to a task, bringing something called the gospel, the good news, to all the world. And this gospel would go out to all the outsiders, the forgotten, the abandoned, and the excluded. And they, those outsiders, would see and receive that good news as actually good. And when Jesus talked about the gospel, it was always in conjunction with something else, something called the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, God's purposes are made apparent. There's justice and righteousness. There's hope for the poor and for the oppressed. And under the kingdom of God, mercy and forgiveness take precedence over bitterness and resentment. Now, people previously deemed to be far from God are brought into his family, adopted as his sons and daughters. And the fullness of the kingdom of God, according to Jesus, is not merely expressed as a way for people to escape an evil world when they die. Rather, the good news of God's kingdom is about the announcement of God's eternity moving into the present world and carrying on into the life to come. The people who belong to Jesus join him in his worldwide restoration project. And the called out ones, the church, are committed to advancing this good news of God's kingdom into the world. Not as a means of helping people avoid the world, but rather to see God's kingdom life being made real here and now. The whole church with the power of the whole gospel for the whole world. So our mission statement then is a call to, to help restore the blessings of kingdom life in our own lives and in the lives of others in the church and in our community. So like the video, like the video says, it's a worldwide restoration project. So finally, the mission statement the mission statement works from the inside out. Okay, when you read the last part of our mission statement, you can see there's a progression in it. That the passion for God spreads so that he is above all else. First in our lives, then collectively in the life of the church, and eventually out to the community. The other day I, um, I asked Renee, I asked what she thinks of uh, when, we, when we talk about, when we say, in our lives, church, and community. 
And she said she envisions um, a pebble or a rock that drops in a pond, right? And then the waves, it creates waves out, the ripple effect. And I think this is, this is a good metaphor. For as our passion for God grows, it should spill out. It should spread. It should overflow into the lives of others. And if it, if it, if it doesn't, if there's not something to spill out and to overflow and to share, then I think um, we're not growing the way God wants us to. This passion should should spread and spill out. And there's no surprise, right, that it starts, it starts with us. It starts in us. Mark 12.30, Jesus says, the most important commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind, and with all your strength. Right? That's pretty comprehensive. And it's not 50% it's not even 90%, right? Your whole being. Do we have that passion? Do you have that passion, that love for God? Do you see what Christ has done for you, that you live in thanksgiving for him? Do you put him above all else in your life? And if you say no, or not really, or sometimes, that's okay, because I think that's why we're here. That's why we're together, to do this together, to grow together. Okay? But I think it, in, it starts by inviting the Lord to move on your heart, to speak to you, to ask him the question, Lord, what do you have for me? What do you want from me? The next area we want to see breakthrough is in the life of our church. And there's, there's a lot I could talk about, but as I, again, thought about this uh, message and prayed, the main thing I thought of is unity. Unity as a church. Unity in our passion for God and his glory. And unity in our mission and calling to go out. I think this is best exemplified by the early church in Acts, in the book of Acts, chapter 2, where the Holy Spirit unifies the believers, devoting them to teaching, to fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer, and then going out and sending them out together to minister in the community and to spread the gospel. So the last is the community, right? The world, the, the final frontier for us as a church. And as a church, I think we're to be a redeeming factor, a blessing in the community and in our world. It should make a difference that we're here in West Covina or in the San Gabriel Valley where God has placed us. We should make a difference for our community. In his book, Creating a Missional Culture, J.D. Woodward says that God created the church as a sign, foretaste, and instrument 
by which more of his kingdom would be realized here on earth. As a sign, we should point the community to God's coming kingdom and God himself, right? As a foretaste, together we should be a concrete, tangible example of what it's like to live under the rule and reign of God and his blessing. When we're together, we are to be people who experience love, forgiveness, reconciliation, and healing as we grow in the Lord and as we gather under his banner. And the community should be able to see that. If the community comes in our doors, they should be able to see a difference. They should be able to see that taking place in the life of our church. And as an instrument, so he says, sign, foretaste, and instrument. As an instrument, as a tool, right, as an implement, we are to be active in taking that blessing to the community. As the church, we are to be missional. What missional means is we are to be passionate and active for the sake of the world. Because God has called us outward. God is at work out there, outside our doors. Again, referring back to Susan's testimony, when you see the work that God is doing, healing and changing and transforming lives, um, in providing ministries and outreach that serve and help the poor, the needy, the lost. Right? God is out there at work. He's not just in here. And so we are to be missional because God is missional. John 3.16, right? The, the most famous verse in the world. Um, we think of it usually as a personal, oh, God loves me and has saved me, but it says that God so loved the world, right? the people of the world, and so should we. Remember the passage, and I'm going to wrap up here, the passage we looked at earlier in Jeremiah, this is Jeremiah 17, where God says that because the people turn from him, they will be like a shrub in the desert or a parched land in the wilderness. Well, in Isaiah 35, the prophet Isaiah, he describes the kingdom of God. And he describes this as a prophecy for those who trust in the Lord and those who come to him. Okay? And as we wrap up, I want you to see the difference in, in blessing and abundance that Isaiah shares about the kingdom of God. Isaiah 35, 1 through 6 says, The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf 
unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. This is the joy, blessing, and abundance of the kingdom of God. You just look at the words. Be glad, rejoice, blossom, glory, majesty, strengthen, make firm, fear not. The blind see, the deaf hear, the mute sing for joy, waters break forth, and streams flow in the desert. This is the hope, the healing, and the restoration that our God offers. And he offers this through Jesus Christ. And this is what we want to see in our lives, in the life of the people we know, in the life of our church, and in the world around us. We exist to spread a passion for God so that he is above all else in our lives, church, and community. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you are larger than uh, we could ever imagine. You are grander than, than we know, Lord, and that you are um, more loving and generous and filling, Father, than, than we give you credit for. And um, so, um, Lord, I pray, Lord, as, that, as you have given us just a word um, from your scripture and a vision for the kingdom of God, Lord, I pray that that would grow in our hearts. And that as a church, um, we would grow in passion for you, in love for you, and it would spill out in our lives to those around us and to the community around us, and that we would see your, your presence and your blessing and your healing, um, Lord, to those all around. So I thank you. Thank you for our church body, our church family. And we pray you be with us as we move ahead in the future. In Jesus' name, amen.